Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Ezekiel 37 and verse 1. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that were covered the valley floor and they were scattered everywhere across the ground and they were completely dried out and then he asked me God asked Ezekiel son of man can these bones live again oh sovereign Lord Ezekiel said you alone know the answer to that and then he said to me speak a prophetic message to these bones and say dry bones listen to the word of God This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I'm going to put muscles and flesh on you and cover you with skin. I'm going to put breath in you and you'll come to life. And then you'll know that I am the Lord. Father, would you do it today? Do it today, Lord. Do it in me and do it in every person who's in this place today. As your word goes forth, I pray that it is a prophetic word that speaks life to our dry bones. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, our our current series is called Rehydrate. It's called rehydrate. I'm convinced that the imagery that Ezekiel just painted for us is an accurate picture of where we are as a church. A valley of dry bones. Many of us, maybe most of us, are suffering silently from dry bones. My responsibility to you as your pastor according to Ephesians 4, is to equip you. And the word equip means to to help you mend from the pain. It it means to help you get repaired from the damage that's been done to your soul. It means to help you get restored to a healthy relationship with Jesus and with other people. My responsibility to you is to do what God told Ezekiel to do in that valley, and that's to speak life to you to speak the word of God to you so that you can begin, your bones can begin to rehydrate and come to life. And that's what this series has been about. Many of you have communicated with me that you're doing your best to work through the the things that you've experienced in church hurt, in the area of church hurt. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Some of you have told me that you're questioning some of your foundational beliefs that you've built your life on and you're discovering that some of those are a lie. Some of those are man-made and that you shouldn't, you shouldn't build your life on that. So who, the, the, the message was, who told you that? Who told you that? 
So I'm encouraged by that, and I'm, and I'm so proud of you for working through the pain and for working through the process that it takes to heal, because healing is possible. Healing is possible, y'all. Healing is available to you. The process of healing will work, but you have to work the process. You have to face the pain that, that uh, caused your bones to dry up in the first place. But when you do it with intentionality, when you do it with the intention of finally healing from it, it gives you hope and it gives you strength to push through and to get rehydrated again. So I just want to tell you this morning, don't give up and don't quit. A whole new life is available to you if you don't quit. And so today, we're going we're gonna to get back to Genesis. We're going to go back to Genesis uh, to the Garden of Eden. So if you'll go with me to Genesis chapter uh, 2. Genesis chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 15 and 17, and we're going to jump into, into chapter 3. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it, but the Lord warned him, listen, you may eat freely of the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Now, in verse, in, uh, verse 1 of chapter 3, we read this a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day the serpent asked the woman, Did God really say that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? And she said, Of course we can eat fruit from the trees in the garden. In verse 3, she said, It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. And God said, You must not eat it or even touch it. God did not say that. But he said, You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you'll die. And the serpent said, You won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. Well, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit, and she ate it. She gave it to Adam, her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. And at that moment, so pay attention to this verse especially, at that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. And so they sewed fig leaves together to cover it. I want you to see this today, and I want you to, I want you to right off the bat, I want you to think about this this morning. Shame was the first manifestation of spiritual death. Shame was the first manifestation of spiritual death. Sin brought shame. Right? They sinned and immediately here came the shame. And their shame brought a separation from, from God. And since God is the source of life, then anything that separates you from him is death. So God told them, if you eat the fruit, you're going to die. Shame was the first manifestation of that spiritual death. And you can be sure what kills your bones, what kills your soul, dries your bones. What kills your soul drives your bones. If shame will kill your soul, and it will, shame will also dry your bones. Just as much as, just as, much as church hurt, just as much as the man-made lies and the hateful words that we may have built our lives upon or believed, shame is drying out the bones of the people in this church, and we have to put a stop to it in order to rehydrate. 
the relationship that Adam and Eve had with God was disrupted because of the shame. Instead of running to him, they ran away from him and hid. Remember that in addition to the dry bones imagery that we've talked about in this series, we've also been talking about this this glass barrier that's been present in our services. Where you can see, and maybe it's in your, just in your life too, that you can see God moving in other people's lives, but there's something that is keeping you from experiencing the same thing. You don't feel him anymore. Something's keeping you from getting to him. And the life and the healing and the victory that he offers, just, it, it just seems just out of reach for you. I can say this with confidence today. The glass divider that's keeping you from a deeper experience with God is shame. It's shame. You're not numb. You're not dead. You're wrapped in layers of shame that's insulating you from almost every spiritual sense. You don't receive from him because you don't think you deserve it. You think the people that God uses or the people in whose lives he moves are somehow fundamentally different from you because when you look in the spiritual mirror, all you can see is your sin and your faults and your flaws and your failures. All you can see is somebody who's barely hanging on to your faith, hoping that God will, will just uh, will somehow just see your sin and, 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 and let you stand before him anyway, just have mercy upon you. And all you see is hideous and ugly, and you're doing your best to make sure nobody gets to see what's really going on in your life. And if you can help it, you don't want anybody to get too close to you. And you don't want to get too close to God for fear that he'll see what's going on in your life and give you the punishment that you already know you deserve. Let me ask you something from a few weeks ago. Who told you that? Who told you that? Who told you you can't go to God? Who told you he's going to reject you? Who told you to run from him or at least keep your distance from him? Who told you that? Valerie and I had a, had a foster son one time who had been severely abused in every way that you can be abused. Maybe the most difficult to overcome for him was the psychological and the, the mental and emotional abuse that he had suffered. And one day he got upset about something and he ran. That's why it's called fight or flight. He just ran. And when I finally found him, I said, boy, get back in this car and we we got to get back to the house. And he said, I can't go back to that house. And I said, well, why not? He said, because you only want winners in your house and I'm a loser. And I said, Who told you that? Who told you that? Because I have never told you that. And he said, the voices. The voices. And I knew then that he was in trouble. Do you know who the voices were in his head? Do you know who the voices were that narrated the events of his life, trying to influence his attitudes and his decisions and his relationships? It was the voices of his abusers. 
the voices of the manipulators in his life, the voices of the ones who were responsible for the trauma that he had been through in his life. If he was struggling, if he was hurting, if it, it was because of them. They had rigged the game so he couldn't win and then told him he was a loser. They had heaped so much blame and so much shame on this kid that he ran away from the love and the support and the help that was available to him in his foster father's house. Doesn't the devil do that to us? Doesn't he do that to us? He will abuse us and mistreat us and tempt us to sin and tempt others to sin against us and then turn around and cause us to carry the shame for all of it. He rigs the game and then blames us for losing. He'll tell you that you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough to go back to the Father's house because the Father only wants winners in there. That God only wants spiritual giants and heroes in here. Let me ask you what I asked him that day. Who told you that? What voices are you listening to? Who is it that wants to keep you out of the Father's house? Who is it that wants to keep you weak and your bones dry? It's the enemy. Would you agree with me that the only voice who wants to keep you out of the Father's house is the enemy? Well, then, you know what Jesus said? He said that the enemy is a liar and the father of lies. Everything that comes out his mouth is a distortion, a perversion of the truth, or just plain a lie. So if you already know that it's the enemy who's speaking to you to keep you out of the presence of God, to keep you out of the Father's house, then why are you listening to him? Do you know who was, who was the best at rigging the game in Jesus' day? It ain't new. You know who the best was in Jesus' day? The Pharisees. They were the religious leaders of the day. If Jesus, you're reading the Gospels and Jesus is fired up and he's ticked off and he's angry at somebody, it's the Pharisees. He, he got fired up about the Pharisees now. He loved everybody. But if he could have popped them in the face, he'd have done that. Right? Why? Why? Well, do you remember how it's impossible, it was impossible for anybody but the Pharisees to win? They had impossible standards, had ridiculous rules, and they tore down anybody who didn't measure up to the rules. Listen, shame is a spirit, and it's closely tied to the spirit of religion. It's not just an emotional struggle, it's a spiritual battle. If you grew up in the church, like I did, it's very likely that you've struggled at some level with a spirit of religion. It's probably the biggest obstacle in my life to my relationship with Jesus and my intimacy in my relationship with him. Listen, this may be the most important thing I say today, so I want you to listen to me for just like 90 seconds at least, okay? Religion turned outward it's judgment and criticism, right? Have you ever met a more judgy, critical person than a religious person? No, you have not. Not a more judgy, critical human being on the earth than like the church lady, right? 
But listen, religion turned inward is shame. Religion turned inward is shame. A lot of people have enough Jesus to know that judging other people is sin, so they just turn it in on themselves. Listen, shame is the control mechanism of religion. Shame is the control mechanism of religion. It keeps everybody terrified to mess up. So people are working hard and they're behaving the best they can possibly. They're on their best behavior all the time. But all the while, it's sucking the life out of their bones. Every time you mess up, which is all the time because the game is rigged, it reinforces what you already believe about yourself, that you're impossibly flawed and God doesn't want a loser like you in his presence. A friend of mine said that the shame in her life led to two things, masks and tasks. Masks and tasks. She constantly hid the things that had caused shame in her life, hoping that nobody ever saw how broken she was. And then she was also constantly trying to overachieve spiritually in order to earn God's love. Masks and tasks. It's perfect. It's a perfect description of religion. Does that sound familiar to you in your life? Scripture is full of people who did shameful things or had shameful things done to them. Listen, not everything that causes you shame is even your fault. You might be carrying the shame for somebody else's sin against you. But it's your responsibility to deal with it. It's your responsibility to get it out of your life because it's you who are suffering the effects. Listen, some of you were abused and you've never told anybody. Some of you have been sexually assaulted and you've never told anybody. Some of you live in constant fear. You just can't, you just can't stop your brain from finding worst case scenarios everywhere you look. Some of you have a criminal record that you just pray and nobody finds out about. Some of you worry about your mental health. Some of you are addicted to something. Some of you struggle with doubts about all things spiritual. Some of you have started and stopped with God a, a dozen times. You can't even keep up with how many times you've started and stopped. And the list could just go on and on forever of the things the enemy tries to use to cause you shame and keep you away from Jesus. Do you know why he wants to keep you away so desperately? Because if you ever got an understanding of who Jesus is, if you ever taste and see of his love and his goodness and his grace, then shame loses its hold on you. Religion gets shattered by relationship. That's why Jesus says, come unto me, and the enemy is saying, run and hide. Jesus said, Whosoever will may come to me. Nobody was excluded. He said, come, he, he came to seek and to save those who were lost. 
He said, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He said, if you sin, then you have an advocate with the Father. They criticized Jesus for hanging out with sinners. He said, this is who I came for. One of my favorite things that Jesus ever said. He said, I didn't come for people who think they're righteous. I came for people who know they're sinners. Maybe this is going to be revelation to you today. But God is not shocked that you can't keep all the rules. He ain't shocked. There's hundreds, thousands of years of human history to prove that we cannot do it. The law in the Old Testament, what did did, uh, Paul say in Romans? He said it just pointed out the sin. It didn't give you any power over it. It didn't give you the solution to it. It just pointed out that you're a sinner. It just pointed out that you're awful at keeping the rules. Jesus is the solution and the power to change through the Holy Spirit. That's the real reason the enemy keeps us locked up in shame and in religion. If he can't keep you from coming to Jesus, then he at least wants to convince you that it's still about following the rules. Why? Because he knows you can't follow the rules on your own. It's literally why Jesus came. He didn't need to improve the rules. We don't need to pass better laws to get people to quit acting crazy. That's not how that works. Jesus came and invited people into relationship with him because he was the only one who could keep the rules. And then he offered himself as the sacrifice so that we could share, so he could take our sin and we could take his righteousness. We aren't justified by our rule following. We're justified by faith in the fact that he already kept the rules for us and gave us the righteousness. But the beautiful thing is, When you fall in love with Jesus and you get to know him, the closer you get to him, all the things that are not like him begin to fall away from you. You think you you can't come to Jesus until you follow the rules, but the truth of the gospel is you can't follow the rules until you come to Jesus. That's the new covenant in his blood. And in his broken body. It's rooted in relationship. And that's what terrifies the enemy the most. If you've got sin or shame in your life, run to him. Don't run away from him. He's not going to turn you away. He's not going to turn you away. I want you to look at this verse. I think this causes some confusion sometimes. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. I think sometimes people confuse conviction with condemnation. Conviction is about godly sorrow. Conviction leads you to say, what I'm doing is hurting my relationship with Jesus. Like, what in the world am I doing? Why am I doing that? I got to stop doing that. That's the kind of sorrow that leads to repentance and leads to life. 
Condemnation is about shame. It says, what kind of person does this thing? What kind of person allows these things to happen to them? The kind of sorrow that leads to death is shame. It's not sorrow over the act. Shame is you internalizing that, that sin and allowing it to redefine you as a person. But what defines you as a person for the believer is your relationship with Jesus, the righteous one. When you got saved, you died to your sin nature and you took on the nature of Christ. Old things passed away and now all things have become new. Shame has no place on this side of the cross. Romans 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the outside's the outside judgmental comment, uh, condemnation from other people, but it's also this internal dialogue of condemnation that you heap on yourself. He changed you, and he wants, to, you, he wants you to see yourself the way he sees you now. Everybody okay? Here's why that's so hard. Because shame is a control mechanism. And it's rooted in fear. Shame is really fear in disguise. Specifically, fear of rejection. And I'm going to slow down because I, I want you to hear what I'm saying. I want you to process it. Shame, as a matter of fact, is preemptive self-rejection. Preemptive self-rejection. What does that mean? It means you're so afraid somebody's going to reject you because of the shame that you carry or because of the thing that you're ashamed of that, uh, that you don't even give them a chance. You reject yourself. So they don't have a chance to reject you. You push God away. You push other people away because you think it's easier and safer behind your mask. But listen to me. It's killing you. It's killing you. It's drying out your bones, and it's keeping you locked behind that glass. You have to bring it to the light. The only way to neutralize shame is confession. Because shame operates in the dark, you have to bring it to the light. When you're in the dark, you don't know how big the monster is, do you? Right? A mouse sounds like a monster. You have, to, you have to turn the light on. You have to take off the mask. You have to be honest with yourself about whatever it is that you're ashamed of. You just have to own whatever it is as part of your history. Find a trusted friend, not Facebook. A human being, a mature believer and follower of Christ, Find a friend, a pastor, a counselor. Find somebody with some wisdom and maturity that you trust and say it out loud. Say it all. Say everything. Tell everything. Whatever, whatever it is that you've done that's got you all bound up in shame, say it all out loud. You say, but I'm afraid some people will reject me over my past. Listen, the only people who care about your past are people you don't need in your future. Okay? You may have to leave some religious people behind if you're going to get free. 
the people who bound you up are not going to loose you. You may have to leave some people. Get those people out of your ear and get to Jesus. When you push past the fear and you just get it all out, you'll be surprised at how accepting and forgiving the non-religious people are. You can't expect the religious people to forgive you because they ain't forgive themselves yet. Okay? They're still bound up in their own stuff. They, they, they can't help you. But most people are accepting and forgiving because, newsflash, we all dealing with our own stuff. We've all had stuff. We've all had shame. Kind of honestly makes us feel better that we ain't alone. We're like, oh, you messed up too? Cool. Join the club. There ain't no admission fee. We're all kind of automatically in. Right? We're all messed up. Let me give you an example of the power of confession. Um, have y'all noticed a difference in my wife in the last year and a half? Have y'all noticed? Are y'all as proud of her as I am? I don't think so, but you can try. She, she's different, isn't she? I've started, I've started recently calling her my second wife um, because she's so different than she was even just a few years ago. Uh, you know what made the difference? She shined a light on her shame. She had been locked in the darkness of shame about her mental health journey. So when she came to church and she felt led to say something or to share something, when she felt drawn to worship more openly or more passionately or really take any step forward spiritually, the voice started. The voice of shame, reminding her of all the ways that she wasn't perfect, reminding her of all the things she'd ever said or ever did, reminding her of all the things that she might have been struggling with in that moment. And that voice would say, you don't deserve to say anything. You don't qualify to be in front of anybody. You got no business worshiping like that. If those people knew what you were really like, they'd run you out of here. You'll lose everything. If you tell anybody, you better just stay still and stay quiet so nobody notices you and nobody finds out who you really are. And I know that she's not the only one who's heard that voice. The voice of shame, the voice of self-rejection, the voice of fear, the voice of the enemy. So what'd she do? She sat right here on this platform in May of 2022 and she shared her secret with the world. Still on YouTube, go watch it anytime you want to. The voice has no power over her now because you already know. She told you. She just told you everything, right? It's got no power over her now. Because you know and you still love her. And you still listen to her when she speaks. I see the way y'all sit up when she walks up here. Y'all don't sit up like that when I walk up here. Y'all still listen to what she says. You still come to her for prayer and for love and nurture and all the gifts that God operates through her. Because she, she crushed the shame through confession. If you're going to rehydrate your bones like Valerie did, 
then you're going to have to rest in the love of Jesus. You're going to have to go all in on Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Why? Because shame is fear. And 1 John says, perfect love casts out fear. You don't have to fear being rejected because Jesus loves you unconditionally. There is nothing you can reveal. There's no deep, dark secret that's going to make him change his mind over you, about you. Valerie knows that God loves her no matter what. And, and his perfect love has cast out fear from the relationship that she has with him. So now she reads and she prays and she worships on her own. And, and it's been an incredible transformation in her life. There's a depth and there's an intimacy in her relationship with God that's never been there before. But she had to get rid of the voice of shame that was drying out her bones and keeping her out of the presence of God and out of his word. And guess what? The love that you showed to her. I'm telling you, I was prepared to fight the day she shared it. I'd have punched any of you if you'd have come up bad mouthing. I'm, I'm not kidding. I'd have took you out on my way to jail. All right? Because when you get that raw and that exposed, no, you ain't messing with her. Okay? But that's not what happened. That's not what happened. The love and the acceptance that you gave to her was healing and refreshing. And it was rehydrating to her bones too. It helped her to take the mask off for good. Like take the thing off and crush it. Listen, what would happen if this was a no shame zone? What would happen if covenant life was a place where you... Shame's not welcome here. If this is a place where you can confess all the things that have held you back and all you got in exchange was grace and love and acceptance. What if this was a place where you could run into the presence of God with no judgment? Like you got a hangover, but you just got to get to Jesus. Just got tied up in here now. Where if you're struggling, you can say that. Where if you've got doubts, you can say that. Where if you're in sin, you can say that. And together, we all go to Jesus who forgives us and heals us and changes us. It's not about glossing over the sin. I'm not encouraging you to come in every Sunday with a hangover. It's about, but it's about the freedom and the grace that when you get in the presence of the Lord and he exposes the sin in your life, that you don't have to run and hide, that you run to him because he's the only one who can do anything about it in the first place. You've got to just stop listening to the voice of shame. You think he doesn't want you because you're damaged. You think he doesn't want you because you're broken. You think he doesn't want you because you're dirty. You think he doesn't want you because you're not perfect. No, none of those things concern Jesus because he's the healer. 
and he's the restorer and he's the redeemer and he's the cleanser and he's the perfecter of your faith and he'll give you the will and the, and the strength to do what you're supposed to do. He'll give you beauty for the ashes of your life. He'll give you joy and gladness. He'll put help you put on the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness that you've been carrying. But you have to come to him. You have to come to him. Don't let shame keep you from this altar. Don't let shame keep you from worshiping him the way he deserves. Don't let shame keep you so busy striving to earn God's love that you're exhausted and you're dry. Don't let shame keep you from getting what God has for you. Shame will steal your purpose. Shame will steal your peace. It'll steal your relationship with God. Don't let it. It's time to shatter the shame. It's time for the glass divider to fall. It's time to rebuke the voice of the enemy who's speaking shame. Uh, if, If you're in sin, run to Jesus and repent. If you're forgiven, run to Jesus and thank him. But walk in his peace and his presence and his pleasure and his power and don't let shame stop you anymore because Jesus loves you and he wants you in his presence y'all stay with me please it all didn't he pay it all that means he paid for the shame too he took the shame upon himself on the cross so you don't have to carry it do you think he didn't cover the bill shame is the premium that you pay when you don't think Jesus paid it all it's like you're still paying for your sin He paid it all. So walk in the freedom. When Jesus spoke to Lazarus, talk about some some dead, dry bones, he was dead, like for real dead, four days dead, stinking dead. And Jesus spoke into into that tomb and he said, Lazarus, come forth. So he he made him alive again. But then he looked at the other people and said, now loose him and let him go. We've got to get loose of all of those grave clothes, all of the shame, all of the stuff that still tries to keep us bound to our old identity as a dead person and come into the freedom and the life and the resurrection that Jesus died to pay for. That's what we're talking about today. So if you've got something that's that's eating you alive, something that's causing you shame in your life, then you need to confess it. And the faster the better. Because as soon as it comes out your mouth, you're released from the shame. Like, John, I'm scared. I know, because shame is fear. But the only way to beat fear is to do it anyway. Courage isn't the absence of fear. It's the decision that fear is not going to control your actions. So do it. Somebody wants to come and 
tell Valerie something? Come on, tell her now. You want to come confess something to me? Come on. You want to confess something to Missy or Robbie or Corey or, or any of the prayer team or just grab somebody that looks nice and come down to the altar and just tell them everything. You've got to get free. Father, in the name of Jesus, I've delivered your word to the best of my ability. Your word sets us free. Lord, I pray that we walk in that word now. I pray that we accept the truth. I pray that it replaces the lies that we've believed. I pray, Lord, for courage and faith over every person who's listening to this today. I pray courage and faith to push through the fear and to and to kill the shame, to silence the voice that's in our heads. I pray, Lord, that you set people free right now, right here. I pray that you set people free from the shame that's been wrapping them up and keeping them from you. God, I pray that we come running into your presence right now, Lord, set free from the religion and the shame and the pride and the fear and all of the stuff that's kept us out of your presence. God, transform us right now in the name of Jesus, by your truth, by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.